Welcome back, welcome back to the podcast, back to Theory and Theology on today's recording. I'm talking about a little bit of information, still on the same topic of the um, sabbatical year and the year of Jubilee, two different forms of time periods. Um, I talked about them in the other episode, but basically, very basically, sabbatical year, the seventh year of is marking a time period where um, specifically related to work, things change, and then and reaping and sowing and, you know, income related, land rest related, um, you know, labor related um, things change, and then, uh, the year of Jubilee is the seventh sabbatical year, so every seventh sabbatical year, there's a year, that's the 50th year, uh, because it's seven years times seven, um, uh, there's 49, so the 50th year is, uh, the year of Jubilee, when, during which everybody, um, stops, um, working or harvesting. I now I don't know if this applies to non-farm related work. Like if you're in ta- like some jobs that are mentioned in the Bible. If you take like tax collectors, um, fishermen. Like if you just think New Testament in general, New Testament Bible. Um, I don't know. Um. And I don't know the specifics. I'm still learning about these things. Um, what piqued my interest is that this is my seventh year technically working in a, at one of the sites where I was working. Uh, the end of that time period for me. And um, being that time period as it was seven, um, it kind of just reminded me of this idea about the sabbatical year which I was thinking it was called the year of jubilee but then I guess technically just seven years in general is the sabbatical year now I don't know if this takes place from a certain time period in history or if it's just straight up I don't know um like, because, you know, usually when you read the Old Testament and you read the um, commandments and laws about what days to do things, usually it says on this day in this month or whatever, like, you know, for certain, like for Sukkot, it says like on the this, on the certain day of this month, you know, like, or, um, Hanukkah isn't in the Old Testament or New Testament Bible per se, but that's during the month of Kislev. And then, you know, like Yom Kippur happens on a certain time period. Um, Rosh Hashanah happens at a certain time period. They're all laid out with the specific date when it starts, like what number of that date of what the month is called in the Hebrew calendar, the Hebrew lunar calendar. 
um, as far as I've read, that did not, that was not mentioned in Leviticus, the specific date. It doesn't say like in the, in this month of this year, you know, is commemorated, you know, from the start period of this time that like every whatever day of whatever year. So I don't know if it goes just by harvesting season because that would be a specific time of year. Um, I know that there's something in Jewish tradition called the counting of the Omer that that signifies how many, oh, I'm so rusty, like how many time, how many days are it's going to be until another, a next segment of when it's going to be determined. Um, is that for Passover? I don't remember which holy day that's for, but basically the counting of the Omer has a significance and also because it's the lunar new year or sorry not new year that's what not what I meant to say because um the Jewish calendar goes by the lunar calendar um not every day fully aligns with the western Gregorian calendar uh based on the sun and so um and those days of the of the Jewish year go by a different it's basically a different calendar and so for example Christmas falls on December 25th every year um it's never a different day Hanukkah can fall sometime before Christmas all the way to like closer to like the new year um it's the range based on the lunar calendar based on cycles of the moon um so those don't always align with what the sun is doing. The sun is like a year, 600, 365 days, basically, for the most part. It is 24-hour days for the most part. Like, And then we have the leap year and all that kind of stuff. So it's an approximation, but overall, we all know how that calendar works. But trying to compare different calendars is complicated. So I mentioned before... A question that I had about the Parsha. You know, so the Jewish year, you know, starts at Rosh Hashanah. During Rosh Hashanah, or maybe it's after, but during Rosh Hashanah, the Parsha for the yearly readings of the Torah, which is the first five books of the Bible, the Parsha readings start over. So, it goes Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You're reading those five books every year, the full five books. With those five books, each tour, each portion is broken up to a week, approximately like pretty much a week's amount of time, seven days. Um, with a certain amount of chapters, I don't think it's the same amount of chapters every every week but basically it goes per story so if you read the old testament if you read the first five books of the old testament you notice that you know if you read in like an american type of english bible um usually they're like christian bibles with like an old and new testament in them they usually have chapter headings in jewish scriptures that's not there um, their headings are based, if they do have headings at all, if it's not a scroll, 
and if they do have headings at all, if it's not like, mm, I don't know if the Hitas has that, but I think the Hitas has the port, the Torah portion, but I think the Hitas is all in Hebrew. It has all the prayers, all the things that you would do throughout throughout the year, pretty much in the one book for the most part, to my understanding. There's different types of Bibles, basically, um, in Jewish tradition. And the Hitas is the most similar to maybe like a scroll. If you if you were to take out from the Hitas all the stuff like how to wrap a tefillin and what prayers to say on like certain days and like tehillim, which is like the certain psalms to say. Like some people say the book of psalms throughout the week, I think. Every week they say the book of psalms. Um, with portions every day and certain morning prayers, afternoon prayers, evening prayers, uh, Sabbath uh, rituals and things like. If you take all that off and just and just look at the the Bible parts, um, it's just all Hebrew. Um, the type of book that I have at the moment, um, I used I've had other types of. Hebrew Bibles. I had one that was all Hebrew, no headings, just all straight Hebrew. I can't remember what it was called. Um, and then I have a stone Chumash. So the stone Chumash is the Torah and Haftarah portions, along with some of the prayers that you'd say before or after. And then there's some glossy pages in the back of this updated one that have like certain pictures and stuff about like how things would maybe get slaughtered and like what the Kohen what the priestly garments would look like and just like diagrams of different things um it also has the Rashi I don't know if it's Rashi and the Rambam commentaries uh it has the Hebrew and the English uh but one of the commentaries is only in Hebrew I think um, I think the Rambam commentary is only in Hebrew. Eh, I could be wrong on this. So basically, there's some things that are in the stone Chumash that I never read because it's it doesn't have the vowels. I don't know if it's Hebrew or Aramaic, or Aramaic, sorry, Aramaic or Hebrew. Um, in the in that area so I really just don't know and so um, basically that's how the scriptures are organized in Judaism for the most part um, there's different types of biblical types of text there's a Gemara there's a Kumish there's a Torah there's the there's like a scroll like a, a safer Torah there's all different types of things where there's like a met a way that you can just get the scriptures read um with without commentary with some other historical or traditional types of input um so basically okay every torah portion of the first five books of the bible of the old testament has a section that is called Haftarah portion that portion is from other sections of the Old Testament either Ketuvim or Nevi'im so Ketuvim is like 
writings, types of writings, and Nevi'im is prophets. Um, so the Hebrew scriptures, the whole Old Testament is divided into one of those three things. You're either reading the Old Test, you're either reading the, the Torah, you're either reading anything past the Torah is either Ketuvim or Nevi'im. Um, they don't have the New Testament at all. Um, and then Christians have the New Testament and all that Old Testament. So, my question previously was, this, this portion in Leviticus talking about about the sabbatical year, then it talks about the year of Jubilee. My question was, when it comes to the Jewish Torah portion, when you look at, in Luke chapter 4, when Jesus is reciting from the scroll in the temple uh, and then spoke on it a little bit um, had like his own like talking that he explained um, what was happening there what was that did that have to do with the sabbatical year did that have to do with the year of jubilee was he quoting something that was directly relevant are people saying that that's what he was quoting about? Was he referring to that? And if if he was reading it in the temple, what was he reading? What was that called? Because I was thinking to my own understanding, I don't know if there's ever times in in a service in a congregation where people aren't reading for either a holy day type of thing, like, like the book of... Um, like the Haggadah, is that Esther? Like the book of Esther, or I don't know if during uh, during Hanukkah, if people read from the book of Maccabees, as that is um, where the story of Hanukkah is found in the Apocrypha, it's not in the Old Testament or the New Testament, the actual story um, itself. Do they read that in the temple? I don't know. Um, so basically, um, what was he reading? If he was reading a scroll, what was he reading? And my question was, was what he was reading in Isaiah an actual Haftarah portion? Because if it was... And if the tradition at that time was to still start reading from Genesis 1 1 at at the at like once the Jewish New Year has approached to start reading that new Torah portion at the beginning of the Bible, at the beginning of the Jewish New Year, is that um you you would basically if it basically what I was thinking is you would be able to tell what time of year it would be that he would have been reading that section uh, because it goes through the year and so if the tradition was still that you know the partial readings would go through the whole year what was that section that Jesus was reading in the temple 
and the quote that's that it says that Jesus was reading from the scroll and then it shows, you know, what, you know, the quote that they put and then what people say that Isaiah 61 verse 1 starting there, uh, what they say that that is what he was quoting and how I had a question that, you know, are those similar because the wording wasn't word for word. I mean, my Bible is written in English. The one that I read the most is a New Living Translate. No, is a New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. Um, and if you compare in Luke what Jesus was what Jesus was reading, where is that in the Bible? He must have been reading it from a scroll that is part of the Old Testament because the New Testament didn't exist then because. It was written after, way after Jesus' death. Um, and so, what was he reading? So I came across a source that I don't know the authority on this person, but I have a question about it. So they basically say that in Jesus' day, Isaiah 61 verses 1 through 2 might have been included in Haftorah during his time period, uh, but got excluded from Haftorah lists. Um, And the reasoning they say behind that is because of bad relationship between Christians and Jews uh, due to it being cited in Luke chapter 4 when Jesus got up and read from this from the scroll and so the Jews would have taken it out of the Haftorah of the weekly Parsha portion that would have been happening their argument for that they continue they say the most logical option is the Torah portion of what's called Nesavim um, it says in there, in my opinion, this in this person's opinion, you have to choose between the Parsha. These Parshas are called Ki Tavo or Nesavim, or they're called Ki Tavo in Netzavim. My pronunciation is terrible. Sorry. So if you look at the Torah... In the book of Deuteronomy, that's the final book of the Bible, right? Sorry, of the old of the Torah, the fifth book of the Torah. So, if you're starting at the beginning of the of the Jewish New Year, you would be in Genesis. The further along you get in the year, you're going through Genesis, then Exodus, then Numbers, uh, then Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is the fifth book; it's the last book. So towards the end of the Jewish New Year, you re- of the Jewish year. So towards the end of the Jewish year, usually if you're following the Torah portion, you're reading within the Book of Deuteronomy during that time period of the year. And Kitavo's Torah portion is from Deuteronomy, uh, chapter twenty-six, verse one through twenty-nine, verse eight. The next Torah portion directly after that is called Nit- Nitzavim from Deuteronomy 29.9 through Deuteronomy 
Um, and they basically say that the Torah portions for uh, those are the Torah portions. The Haftarah portions would be for Kitavo, which comes from uh, starting in Deuteronomy chapter 26. For Kitavo, someone would be reading in Isaiah 61 verse 10 through Isaiah 63 verse 9 and then they mentioned that Isaiah 61 verse 1 through 9 is left out so they don't start at the beginning of Isaiah 61 they skip the first nine verses and start at verse 10 whereas the quote that they say that Jesus was reading from the scroll would have been from Isaiah starting in Isaiah 61 verse 1 and going through a few of those verses um now I haven't really studied this I am literally recording as I study the most studying I have done on this was probably in ninth grade or so 10th grade somewhere near that time in my life between ninth grade and maybe like my junior year of high school when my friend first told me about the year of jubilee and i don't think i actively studied that from this perspective ever um but it is just a curious topic for me so we go from you know all these questions you know what was jesus reading in the scroll was it part of the Jewish tradition of when people come up in the in the service as part of the congregation, different people read different parts of the Torah portion or the Haftarah during the service? You know, I'm trying to see, like, how equivalent is that all those traditions to what's happening today with the Torah portions, with the Parsha readings, with the yearly cycle of reading through the Torah, and then in addition to the reading through the Torah, in a year you would be reading through the Haftarah in portions, bits of it. You're not reading the whole remainder of the of the Old Testament. You're reading chunks that have been, you know, chosen. I don't know how they were chosen, but chunks that were chosen to be read during that week with the Torah portions. I hope that's making sense. Um, And I'm stumbling through this. Like, I'm not like, I haven't practiced talking about this. I'm just literally freestyling this. (laughs) Um, So the next, this is the next bit of information that's coming out to me that I'm going to be looking at during the weekend Now, I'm not always looking for flaws. I'm not always looking for problems. But, you know, ever since I was a kid, you know, when I was reading through the Bible, I would always come across things like this. I'd come across questions. And these are the types of questions that I would be like, okay, I'm stumped. Let me go ask a pastor. And they would just be useless. They would never answer the questions. They would never say a thing. You know, if I said, oh... How come when it says this in Luke chapter 4, when you're reading it, and then you compare to the portion in Isaiah 
uh, chapter 61, how come it's not word for word? If Jesus was reading from the scroll, it doesn't say he was reciting it. It says he was reading it. So how come if he's reading the scroll, that information is different in the New Testament that, you know, you would think if I'm reading the same version of the Bible, the New Testament, if it was quoted from the Old Testament, it would be the same wording, which it is not. Now, I know that there's a lot of things about versions of the Bible and translations of the Bible and all these types of things that I'm not very knowledgeable on about how the Bible was actually written, canonized into written language and books. Now, back in Jesus' day, they had scrolls. Not everybody had, like, bound books where you could just go to the store and buy a book and have it in your house and be reading this book in whatever version, you know. They don't have versions, necessarily. Like, Christians have, like, I don't know, probably, like, I don't know how many versions of the Bible there are or translations, but I'd want to say hundreds um, in my opinion, but I don't know. It could be less, maybe 50, 60, I don't know, a lot. There's a lot of different translations. Um, all the way down to some that are very casual. Um, there was this Bible I once had. Yeah, I got it at school, actually, in a religious Adventist school. We had, like, you know how your classrooms back then anyways used to have like libraries of books like in the classroom they'd have like bookshelves of books that you could read during reading time or whatever and there would be books there and I you know there was this bible that was like I don't know how to explain it it was kind of urban kind of uh I don't want to call it ghetto I know that term is loaded it doesn't but what people would call in common society you know how people use the word ghetto i know it's a controversial term but you would call it ghetto like <laughs> i mean i'm the bible would be like if you take something like genesis 1 1 like in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth and all that you know uh and it would be like <laughs> jesus said yo like god said yo earth world be created yo like it would be like it was like not it was like a form of entertainment it wasn't like it was literally like that though it was like you would see the quotes of the people talking and it would be like and peter came to jesus and he said what up yo like you know i don't know what the name of this bible was i remember the color of it was gold and I don't know, it wasn't like Ebonics, it wasn't, um, it wasn't completely inaccurate, but it wasn't what you would read in a traditional Torah scroll. Like, it was a whole, that's the most, uh, casual I've seen, other than the ones that they used to make into, like, magazines, so kids would be interested. I used to have a Bible I don't know if it was the whole Bible or only the New Testament in, like, a magazine form. And it had, like, pictures and, like, glossy pages. Like a magazine with, like, the columns and everything. Um, and it looked like a magazine. It was supposed to appeal to, like, teens, to get teens to, like, pick up the Bible and read it. It was, like, the same size as a magazine with the dimensions and, like, the paperweight and everything. 
And so, yeah, in Jewish culture, the Old Testament, well, yeah, it's the Old Testament, and the, the, uh, scriptures are written in Hebrew. Now, it goes from Hebrew without the vowels, Hebrew with the vowels. I've seen scrolls that, like, they're not really broken up between the words. Um, They don't have the chapter titles, or if they do have titles in it, it might be the Parsha, like the Torah portion, the Parsha name, like like the names like Nitzavim, or Kitavo, or Bereshit, or Shemot, or whatever, uh, or the names of the chapters, or the names of the books, or whatever, but it wouldn't have necessarily, you know like the English Western uh, Christian Bibles that have the um, chapter headings like you know Jesus speaks in the temple in Nazareth or Jesus rejected in Nazareth something like that like what it says in Luke chapter 4 like you wouldn't see headings like that in um a lot of the uh, Jewish scriptures, like they tend to be more traditional, formal. So I just wonder, I'm just very curious about this, you know, like where the translations change along the way. Um, Because I know the New Testament isn't really translated from the Old Testament necessarily because they're not the same thing. So perhaps it's in the translation because the Old Testament is translated in a certain way from certain, there's certain ways that the Old Testament was translated, why we have all these translations and versions of the Bible. If you compare them, it's not always word for word, even though the the topic is there, the idea is there, but if you go word for word between the New Living Translation, the King James Version, the new revised standard version if you go word for word even genesis 1 1 isn't the same thing um and so or even if it is in some of them it's not the same across all of them you know so you know different versions have different wording they mean the same thing but the wording's different and then when you have the New Testament, you have different, uh, you're not being translated from the same thing. So be, I'm guessing, my guess is that because the New Testament is translated from the Greek, because the Old Testament wasn't written in Greek originally at all, so the if the New Testament is written in Greek and then the book of Luke is written after the death of Jesus like multiple years after the death of Jesus I want to say decades after but I don't know the exact timeline look that up if you want to know um, what was being translated into English you're not translating the same information you're not trans if you're translating a Greek text, you're not translating the same as the Hebrew text. 
into English. Like, basically, if you're translating the, the Hebrew into English versus the Greek into English, uh, those are going to be two different things. So maybe that's why the wording's a little different. But then, the, then there are some terms that are different, too. I can't remember what it was. Uh, maybe it was the word prisoners or something like that. Um, there's some words that, like, weren't in there in the old, in the Isaiah versus the Jesus quote, the Jesus reading from Isaiah. So basically, I'm wondering, you know, was it manipulated? Because reading this source where this person is explaining that technically, you know, if that was a Torah portion back in the day, if if it was the Haftarah portion from a Torah portion back in the day, if it was an, an Old Testament portion of reading um from you know it would likely be from what nowadays is you know um Nitzavim because it's basically leaving out the first nine it's basically leaving out verse, Isaiah 61 verses 1 through 9 and then all of a sudden you're in Isaiah 61 verses 10 and on um um so I don't know. I don't know how they choose it. If it was taken out, if it got excluded from the Haftarah list and now Jews completely skip it, then people who only follow the Torah portion are never really reading that portion. Um and then it makes me wonder what are are there other scriptures that are manipulated like that? If, in fact, this was manipulated, that's if, because I don't even know. Um, this is one source, and um, what did I even search to get this? I think I just searched Parsha. I searched, dang, I don't know what I searched. Does it tell me what I searched? Okay, what I searched is... Is there a Haftarah, I put a typo, I put door instead of four. Is there Haftarah for Isaiah 61 verse 1? And then that's the first thing from Quora.com. Um, now, I don't know who these people are, if they're authorities. I don't know who these people are. But just showing in the book of Luke that Jesus read something that people point to as meaning something significant to the sabbatical year and the year of jubilee one person um on youtube pointed to that that jesus read this and then i went and looked in isaiah because i was like okay jesus is quoting from the scroll but the bible i'm reading doesn't have the footnotes um, that's the one thing I don't like about this Bible is that it doesn't have the footnotes. And I have other Bibles that have footnotes, but I I Google stuff a lot too. So this is one that I Googled and I looked and it led me to Isaiah. And then I was comparing Luke, the Luke quotation that it says that Jesus read from the scroll to what would have been in the scroll of Isaiah. They, in theme, match up. In topic, match up. They're the same type of idea. The exact wording is a little bit different. 
Um, and then I start questioning, okay, if he's doing this in the temple and he's doing this in, as part of a congregation and it mentions it's on the Sabbath, they're not just like hanging out in the temple on a Wednesday and like Jesus just happens to get up during a study and like talking like, no, this is part of the traditional Sabbath service. You know, it's not like a weekday study. This is part of the service where Jesus is speaking. He's up in the temple reading from the scroll. He has a a position. Not that he's a pastor. It's not significant. It's not a, a, a similarity. Because like I mentioned before, if this is similar to today's Jewish culture, people participate in the service. Like there's participation. Not only the rabbis up there talking about the Bible. Christian churches are like that more so. You know, you might have a deacon or someone who's like a prayer team leader or even like a song leader or somebody read like some kind of verse or few verses that are equivalent to something that they're trying to talk about. Like, oh, the song I'm about to sing is from like whatever in the Bible and, you know, it's significant to them for this reason, you know, or today when you're giving your tithes and offerings, think about this part of the Bible. A lot of times they talk about the book of Malachi, about where they mention tithing or talk about like, you know, certain, whatever it is that they bring up. They, they refer to certain parts of the Bible, but it's different parts of the service. This is different because he's reading from the scroll in a way that is a different type of reading um, that Christians don't necessarily have that. You don't really have like times during a church service necessarily where different people are getting up reading from a certain portion that everybody had been studying that week. Everybody in Judaism is studying the same thing around the world. I don't know if it was like that back then, but everybody, if you look up the Parsha, if you're Chabad, if you're, you know, Lubavitch, if you're Hasidic, if you're modern Orthodox, if you're, you know, even Messianic Jewish, you're studying the same Torah portion, whether you're in Israel, whether you're in Morocco, you know, the U.S., in New York, whatever, you're studying the same portion. Like, you don't have to, but it's like, that's traditionally what's going on in the culture at that time, the study for the week. And so people were shocked that he knew. They were shocked. They're like, isn't this Joseph's son? Kind of like offensively, like they don't expect him to be smart, intelligent, learn like a learned man, well-read. Um, there was a status that he was expected to have because of where he was raised. It would be almost like... I don't know, this isn't a good example, but almost like if you took someone like Elon Musk, intelligent person, or someone like Neil deGrasse Tyson, intelligent, another intelligent person, and they were both giving speeches. And some kid, or maybe not even a kid, because I believe Jesus was older at this point, but somebody in their maybe, let's say, somewhere between age 25 to 30 or something 
who has a reputation of being born in not, you know, they weren't born in, uh, what's a lofty kind of city. Like they weren't born in Malibu. They were born in Compton and they get up and everyone knows that, you know, the school system maybe isn't that good in Compton and the public school system. And, you know, they start conversing with Elon Musk and Neil deGrasse Tyson in a very intellectual and intelligent way. People will be like, isn't this that guy who was from, like, over there? Like, what the heck? You know? And, like, not necessarily questioning, like, does he not know what he's saying? But more so, like, whoa. Like, he's he's smart. He's intelligent. Like, they were, like, impressed, not... It seems like they were impressed. Um, so that's what is happening in that section in Luke. But I guess the interesting part to me is what was he reading? Because of if if like if you compare nowadays Jewish culture, you know, how similar is that to what he was doing there in the temple? Because there is some Jewish temples are a lot more interactive it's like they're not so much like christian churches where everybody's arguing about everything or debating everything it's very like like i've seen live streams of jewish services where you know there's people in rows and there's a rabbi and they start talking about the torah and it's like the rabbi is like um like a facilitator it's almost like a group, like a group. If you've been to group therapy, it's almost like a group therapy session where it's like there's a topic and we're talking about this and this is what has been studied for this week. And, you know, there's a facilitator. There's a rabbi who is very learned and educated. But then people in the congregation, if they want to have some say or input on certain verses or sections of what they're talking about they can give their opinions they can refer to other scriptures they're not saying oh what bob over there said is wrong because i have this other verse over here and that was sue talking and then billy says oh sue's full of it and so is bob because you know this other thing you know it it wasn't like that it was people having complete respect for each other's opinions no matter how different they were and some people didn't understand things some people were asking questions but it was very respectful it wasn't you know it was a conversation it was like a group facilitated by someone who was learned but people just trying to share their opinions and their views on things and then understand other views and it was really cool I was like man I would totally want to go to a service like that because that's how I learn you know I like to hear other people's ideas I don't want one person up there telling me how it is and then I'm sitting there like I don't really know about that and then when you go to approach with more and more questions they don't really have the answers or don't want to talk about it or don't want to dive into it even when you're not like debating and you're trying to have an intellectual conversation um you know, to me, that was the biggest turn, not the biggest, but one big turn off for me about my experience with Christian church was that, you know, the people who had the answers, I felt like they were withholding information. Um, or maybe they just didn't know it or they were just like, why, you know, 
you know, it hit me once, you know, I used to know people like when I was getting older, I had people that were more so my age range that were theology majors, right? And so we used to do, there was a point in time where we used to do Sabbath school, not at the church building. Our age group, the collegiate age group, sometimes people open their houses before church. And I, I forgot all about this. We went to their house before church and did Sabbath school. Sometimes we'd have breakfast there and we'd eat like fruit, tea, bagels, whatever. And we'd have a Bible study, basically. This is you know, church would start at 11 and from about 9.30 a.m. to just before 11, we would have a Bible study at a house. So we did this for at least a year or something like that. Maybe two years. I don't know. And it was really cool, you know. And I remember once one of my, you know, one guy that I knew who was a pastor from England, I think, and this other guy who's a theology major. So the actual collegiate pastor that we had at this time period um, was talking to this other theology major guy. And the collegiate pastor was a few years older um, than us, let's say five years older than us. And the collegiate guy was, sorry, the um, theology major guy was still studying in university, I believe, at this point. Or maybe he had just graduated and was now, like, officially a pastor, but didn't have a congregation, nothing like that. Um, but they're talking, you know, and I'm just listening. And I, I, I remember the sentence. This guy said, the pastor, the guy from England, says... Um, something like Hamelik, something Gadol, or something like that, and he says it in Hebrew, like something about, you know, that's something he. I remember him saying Melech and saying Gadol, and something like that, just like a simple phrase or sentence. And I'm sitting there, and I just automatically translate it like the King is great, and they just both look at me like, what the heck? Why don't you? Why do you know that? You know. And I was like, because I study Hebrew, like all my friends knew that I study Hebrew. Everybody who knew me at that time period very well probably knew that I studied Hebrew. But I never really talked about it because like in a Christian church, in an Adventist environment, people aren't like studying Hebrew. That's not like a thing that people do necessarily unless you're going to theology school. But I'm a nerd and I study things. And if I'm involved in something, I'm going to study it on a regular basis. So I did spend multiple years of my life self-studying Hebrew. And it was a moment like that that I realized, like, I'm not expected to know this. Almost like they weren't, I wasn't trying to, like, impress anybody. I wasn't trying to, like, flex. But I just wanted to be part of the conversation because I felt like they always left me out of the intellectual conversations. And it was just, like, young pastors talking about cool stuff. And I wasn't a theology major. I was a psych major. And I'm just sitting there, like, studying other stuff, too. And I was kind of just, like, a little, maybe not disappointed, but a little taken aback that they were like, how do you know that? And I'm like, I mean, we have internet. You can learn anything off the internet. Like, you know, I know how to read and write Hebrew. Like, I'm not fluent, but it's like, I know biblical stuff, you know. And I felt like they were... 
that was the only Hebrew that was mentioned. And I started talking about certain books that I had that were in Hebrew because, you know, I didn't spend my money on a whole lot of, you know, stuff. But I used to buy like Hebrew books and stuff like that. And I remember one of them saying like, oh, but those that type of book is like too expensive or whatever. And then they like moved the topic to like some other kind of thing. And I felt like they were like discouraging. It felt like I wasn't like sad by it, but I was like they're not as pumped up about this as I am. Like they're, they didn't seem like excited to talk anymore about it or to talk about different types of Hebrew Bibles and stuff like that. And I don't know if it's because I'm like an African-American female and they're like white guys. I don't know what it was. Um, but I mean, I grew up in the religion like everybody else. I just chose a different major. And so they didn't say it to my face, but just with the actions of like how we're just how much how quickly the conversation just flipped to some other completely different topic. Um, I felt a little bit like not too validated. And then also it's like I felt a little not too validated by the church just by how I felt like they kind of like didn't really seem to want people to study um like I studied you know on my own but it was like they didn't seem to kind of foster that like if I'm not a theology major and trying to take some kind of oath you know then they didn't really want to talk about the bible like for real for real you know um they didn't want to talk about questions they didn't I mean I wasn't trying to debate or whatever but I was just like full of questions like I always am you know and to me that was pretty that was a turnoff to me um probably up until I went to a messianic Jewish congregation in my city that was probably one of the times I think it was early grad school when I went that was one of the first times as far as the learning aspect that I was really like okay these people are serious like we study the bible here we spend Saturday afternoons studying you know with like you know every like the rabbi would always say you know having a zeal you know having like a passion for like you know learning about the life of Jesus and having like a zeal for like that kind of thing you know um they would always talk about like the zealousness you know of some of the people in the bible and like I wasn't trying to be like an extremist or anything but you know when you like certain things you know I love languages and cultures and what better way than to have like be like involved with like a religious community that you're always studying and learning from your own you know current religion from a tradition that was over 2,000 years ago you know developed over time to what we're doing now and just like seeing how it's different and like let's talk about it you know like I never understood you know when I read the bible how I would read things and I would be like we don't do any of this like I would always people would say in church and people who go to church I'm pretty sure this is the same message people say you know Christians model their lives after Christ and you read the Bible and you read what Jesus is doing and saying and all these things, you don't see him doing anything 
that looks like what I do as an American in my Western world. You know, I wake up, I might have some coffee or something and some breakfast, you know, like I'm not up with the sun outside on a mountain praying for like hours before everybody else is awake. I'm not doing that. You know, I don't go off by myself for like hours of morning prayers. You know, um, I'm not in a temple anywhere, you know, memorizing scriptures on a regular basis. I'm not a man. I'm not Jewish. I'm not, you know, um, I don't want to call it wandering, but I'm not um, kind of trekking around from place to place, you know, preaching about the gospel. You know, I'm not um, challenging um, religious leaders. I mean, maybe this podcast is maybe similar to something like that, but, you know, I'm trying not to get like heated about things too. It's just, I'm passionate about this stuff still. Like I wouldn't necessarily claim a religion just because I feel like, um, I would, Like, I wouldn't say that I wouldn't call myself Christian. I wouldn't say that. But I know that if I say I'm Christian, that means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, I, you know, as far as my heritage and upbringing, definitely Christian. As far as my beliefs at the time when I was baptized, definitely Christian. Um, I don't go to a church. I have a membership at a church that I haven't been to in a very long time. Uh, that I will not cancel that membership. I don't want to cancel that membership. I want to stay a member of that church. I've That's my own decision. They even asked me about it. And I said, no, don't cancel it. They thought I was going to another church that I don't even go to. And I said, don't cancel my membership. I want to keep my membership to my home church that I grew up in. I don't want it canceled. Um, I'm conflicted about paying tithes to churches that aren't affirming and that have some kind of prejudice to them I'm not saying that they're outwardly prejudiced but there is still a form of like non-equality to some extent um I know the church that I probably vibe with the best but my my connection as far as like nostalgia um and upbringing in my home church you know I want to keep my membership there it's just something on my own mind it has nothing to do with anybody else it's my own decision I don't even really want to go to that church I don't really like it that much uh, or else I would go um but um yeah I was always curious about like whenever I look at Jesus life you know, why is there so much Judaism and so much other stuff? And then, you know, the Adventist church states and claims we follow the Bible closer. And whenever I started asking about, well, don't Messianic Jews technically follow the Bible closer because they actually follow the Jewish commandments and Adventists follow 10 commandments. They follow some of the dietary restrictions. Um, we never touch the Talmud not uh, you know we don't really talk about anything that's in the Talmud or in the Mishnah or any of these other separate books uh we don't actually follow the commandments all of them 
uh, there's 613 commandments. We don't follow 613 commandments. We follow the dietary laws in addition to the Ten Commandments. And then a lot of Ellen G. White's writings as far as traditional things, as far as, like, not eating meat and, you know, different types of stuff like that. Like, if you read the book The Adventist Home, it pretty much sums up a lot of the traditional views of Adventist home lifestyle. Um... And there's a lot of writings by Ellen G. White, and a lot of those writings are followed. And I don't see, I'm not saying I don't see a lot of Jesus in it. I'm just saying, I always was wondering how come, you know, we don't model our life to the T like Jesus was doing. Like, even the specific part in Luke chapter 4 where it says, you know, Jesus went to temple and was reading from the scroll. We don't have scrolls. We don't have temples. Um, we don't have, like, too much of the congregational participation in the reading of scripture as part of, like, the sermon part of the service. Um, there's not, like, a lot of conversation between congregation members you know, it's like the front of the of the pulpit is talking to the congregation. That's how the Christian church works. I mean, there are some churches where it's a lot more um, casual. But overall, you don't really see a lot of, like, discussion groups. Like, I, I, you know, I have been to church where on occasion they'll say, you know, in the group next to you... They would have like a topic and then like in the group next to you, you all speak, talk about it in your little group, like four or five people next to you. And it could be at random, whoever's sitting next to you that day, close enough to have a conversation. And maybe there's three, four topics on whatever the reading is. Say they'll have a question like, what do you know about the year of Jubilee? And what do you think about that in today's society? I don't know. I'm just making this up. And then you would all talk about it. And then, you know, say there were four different groups in the church or so um, with groups of people sitting next to each other that would make four groups. And then, you know, there's like a spokesperson who would say kind of like what the ideas were within that group. So it's not like a whole lot of sharing, but a little bit. And I've been to some uh, some services where it's been like that not every week but on occasion it was more interactive like that um which I liked but it was a little weird too but I liked it and so I kind of wonder you know otherwise you know I always wondered like why you know Christianity looked so different from Judaism and I mean, I know why, but also nobody would ever outright say it. They would just be like, oh, the, most Christians worship on Sunday because of, you know, you know, um, you know, this ruler changed it. And, you know, they talk about the pagan rituals, you know, that Sunday is the worship of the sun god, the day of the worship of the sun god in a lot of pagan religions. And so that's why 
in Adventism, the Jewish Sabbath is kept. But they don't talk about any of the other pagan traditions that Adventists participate in, like the Christmas ones, the Easter ones, the Halloween or the Harvest Festival ones, like all these other ones. Um, And they don't talk about why don't Adventists keep the Jewish holy days. If they keep the Sabbath, why don't they keep all the other ones, all the other days? And so I would always have questions like this where, like, Nobody would answer the question. I'm like, there's got to be answers. And so when I... Sorry, I got cut I got cut off by the timer. So when I kind of stopped going to the Adventist church and started going to the Messianic Jewish church, um, I kind of felt better about it. Like, it kind of hit a spot for me that I was like, this has been missing in my life, you know? The ability to study with people that actually want to study and want to talk about the questions and answer them. But to me, it was such a small congregation, and it was so, um, different. Like, Jews didn't like it, because they're like, you're doing something weird with our religion by adding the New Testament, and you're not Jewish. The rabbi was Jewish by birth. Um, he was Christian, identified because of his belief in Jesus and Jesus was referred to as Yeshua Yeshua HaMashiach Jesus the Messiah Jesus the the Christ you know Mashiach is the same thing as saying Christ two different you know one's Hebrew one's Greek um and you know so I think a lot of the it was a turnoff to the Jews it was a turnoff to the Christians um my mom started joining and she liked a lot of aspects of it my dad was kind of worried. A lot of my friends were very, not confrontational, but very like, what are you doing? You're joining a whole other religion kind of thing. And I was just like, this is, this to me felt a little closer to the Bible because we were actually doing like a Passover and Sukkot and all these holy days that the Bible says to keep these holy days and remember them and do them. And we were doing those things in that congregation, but it was just a few people. Um, And I wasn't discouraged so much by that, but I did kind of miss the traditions. And I did practice for a while trying to, just for my own self, I'm not saying I was better than anybody or it made me a better person. No, I don't, I don't, I'm not even going there. I don't really for my own convictions at that time for myself as part of my own lifestyle I started following a lot of um in addition to Christian you know beliefs and reading the New Testament and trying to follow what it said that Jesus said you know and did we tried to look at a lot at what Jesus would do and so when it would come across you know Jewish holy days you know, we weren't celebrating Christmas and Thanksgiving and Halloween and Easter at the church, um, but we were celebrating Jewish holy days at the same time as the Jewish people would, as our understanding, based on our understanding of it. And, you know, I was surprised at how much challenging I got from people who who are Christian that know about the pagan roots of certain holidays and were kind of weirded out by me doing Jewish holidays even though Jesus did them and these were people who read the Bible who knew about Jesus 
who knew about what Jesus did. But for some reason, you know, there's such a strong connection to the traditions, you know, that it's hard to break away from it. And, you know, I got really, you know, bogged down with my, you know, I was in grad school at this point. Uh, It was right before I moved to San Diego and I was kind of bogged down um, trying to finish my thesis and everything. So I kind of just used, started using my Sabbath time to rest and no longer going to any church congregation at that point. Uh, I don't remember if I was going to the 3 p.m. I think I was. I started going to the Adventist 3 p.m. church service and then I would just leave right after church. I would never stay for the potluck. Or if I did stay for potluck, I would leave right after, up until I graduated. And then I would go to that church and stay for potluck. And we'd stay we'd stay there sometimes till 2 o'clock on Sunday morning. Um, we'd go out, hang out, go to the movies, go to the beach at night, walk around the beach, go out, you know, get some boba, get some dinner, watch a movie, like whatever. We'd go all over town. But we weren't really in the bars and clubs and stuff. But there was a really active social community there that was around my age range too and so that to me was a little more what I needed was people my age range to hang out with that had similar traditions and Adventist culture and upbringing but maybe weren't necessarily fully like all gung-ho hardcore like I believe in this 100% and don't question it ever um and so I kind of vibed with those people more I came back to the Adventist congregation a little bit more because of because of the social life because the people at the Messianic congregation were either married couples, there were like maybe two, three married couples, my mom went sometimes, and then maybe two or three people that were non-married, but like old, older people, like older, like 70 something years old or something. So there was nobody there my age. The person closest to my age was still older than me, probably like say like 45 years old or something that had a husband that was probably like 50 or something. Um, So none of them were like my age, but they were all cool. I liked them all, man. Um, There was some, you know, people, you know how it is. People sometimes don't get along or don't see eye to eye on things and that's just natural with any community of people there's always going to be some kind of topics where people might butt heads a little bit or some kind of conflict where people are kind of like not really getting along about something um so there was a little bit of division over one situation that had happened um that I wasn't included in at least to my knowledge I was made aware of what happened and why a certain couple left because there was a misunderstanding between one of their roles and someone else said that, you know, we don't want you to have this role because they felt like they were being judgmental and had kind of, you know, maybe not a very humble um, comment that they that the person had made that, you know, turned off the main person in charge who was like, you know, let's not keep the role what you know that's not a good role for you if you're going to be judgmental to having other congregation people's information and you kind of made a judgmental comment and there was some conflict about that and I liked all the people though you know I thought it was cool it was fun I had a good time um I had a blast actually um but 
I don't know. Like, you know, that was uh, part of my religious experience. Um, But to bring it full circle, um, you know, when it comes to learning, when it comes to scriptures, when it comes to, you know, comparing scriptures and different passages and traditions and looking at, you know, today's society as in like, um, how I myself might live my life as somebody who was raised as a Christian and knowledgeable of Christianity. I feel like Judaism, it's hard to get fully knowledgeable about it. First of all, it's so much older of a religion. And second of all, it's not something I was exposed to as much. And I had to expose myself to it. And, you know, it was hard. It's It was hard to learn it learn what I even learned by myself and it's like there's all these different language terms and stuff that I'm just like is this right like I kind of question sometimes my own understanding of things because I'm coming from a different lens view you know I see things through what the church taught me and so it's hard for me to like look at something like what's Jesus doing in Luke chapter 4 and look at it as you know what a church would teach um, how they say it's part of, you know, that conversation about the sabbatical year or the year of Jubilee, something along those lines, and how I was never taught about that, about Luke chapter 4. I don't think I was ever taught about Luke chapter 4. They focused more about the rejection part, the rejection of Jesus by the people of Nazareth, his hometown where he was raised at. Um born in Bethlehem, raised in Nazareth, they teach about how people rejected him, um, they focus more on people not believe, why people didn't believe in Jesus, uh, why they persecuted him and ridiculed him, the Christian church more so takes that focus, they don't really focus on, like, the actions that he was doing, and to me, I focus too on the actions I'm like why was he doing all this stuff what was the significance as a Christian I feel like people just waft over you know all those things that were happening and just focus on the Christian parts of it which would be either as a Gentile most Christians I think are Gentiles and not coming from paganism like well pagans are technically Gentiles too but Um, Most Christian, like, they're not coming from a pagan background. They're usually coming from just a background where they were put into Christianity. Um, To me, I'm not trying to, I don't even care. I don't really care. But to me, I've always questioned, the more I learn about paganism, why does Christianity look so much more like paganism than it does like Judaism? Um, it's almost like they purposely separate themselves from it so that they don't look like Jews. But then you see Jesus being very Jewish. He's not pagan. And pagans existed at the time of Jesus. They existed in the Old Testament. And Jews existed during the Old Testament. And Jews look completely different from pagans. And I feel like Christians look a lot more like pagans. Just they worship Jesus and believe Jesus is the Messiah and 
part of the Trinity and God. Um, so I don't know. I never know. I may never know. I don't have any any real answers. I have questions. Um, but these are things I'm trying to find out. And that's kind of like the, the background, the full um, lengthy background of kind of how I approach the Bible. It's like I can dive into stuff to a point where, you know, I'm just stuck, you know. Um, and I'm not really having conversations about this with anybody but myself because I'm not part of a community of people who are studying anymore. And I kind of stopped doing that because most of the people either wanted to debate and argue or didn't really have a good enough understanding because they weren't really focused on studying this stuff. And so it's almost like going to a study group where like two people studied and you're trying to do a project together and then the other people don't even know what the book looks like or what the chapter is or what you're even doing in the class and they're not even participating. That's kind of what it feels like. So I stopped going because I'm like, you know, if I'm going to geek out on something, I'm going to geek out on it. I'm not going to, you know, I felt like it was sometimes like a waste of time and energy to include other people. It was like, what are we doing here? Um, I'm not getting discouraged. I know I sound discouraged. I'm a little exhausted, tired, fatigued. I'm about to get to the gym, actually. Um before the school lets out near me because then there's going to be traffic and it's going to take way longer um but I am a little curious about a lot of things um and I'm wondering what's going to come up with these topics um I don't know if I'm going to study the history of how the Parsha was created um, to see if there's any knowledge about um, what was being taught and did it change? Was there a change or not? Um, Did the Jewish religion remove the Haftarah, you know, portion of Nitzavim, um, because it was used in the book of Luke, and is that passage even relevant to talking about the sabbatical year or the year of Jubilee? I don't know, um, but I don't even know where I'm going with this. I'm having fun with it. (laughs) I don't know where I'm going with it. Uh, But this is kind of what I do when I study stuff. And for me, it's like, if I'm not studying it this way, I'm probably not going to study it. So I guess uh, that's kind of all for now. And uh, I'm not too sure when I'm going to post this, but uh, thanks for listening.